eight, it's a hump day, and you better wake up early tomorrow because it's an early slate if you're talking DraftKings. We have a 210 start. This is the main featured slate of the day. The late slate, we can play it out. It's a five-game, seven o'clock slate, but we're going to be locking in a little bit on this early slate because that's where the money's at. That's where the action's at. You know, bigger slate, more games, more variations. So it's a seven-game slate. You got a pitcher up top in Corbin Burns, and then DraftKings is still high, you know, when they when they make this pricing. And you got Andrew Heaney, who's made two starts on the year, and he's somehow – actually, sorry, three starts on the year. One, two in April, one in June, and he comes back in late July, and DraftKings has him as the second most expensive player on the slate. So that's DraftKings for you. We love them. Uh, against a team that doesn't strike out on top of it. Like, yeah, yeah Washington isn't good, but they, they don't strike out at 9,800. You need some strikeouts. You can't just go six innings with, you know, three strikeouts to be happy with that. Yeah, I think Heaney would probably have been like 5% owned if he was 8,500. Now he's going to be like 2% owned at 9,800. So you cross him off the board. You got Burns up top. Now Burns, 10-1, the only true ace on the slate Coming off what we can consider a rough start at home against Colorado, only 5Ks, only 12.5 DK points. And now he's got a, a tougher matchup here in Minnesota. Are we expecting the true ace to come back out? Are we fading him at high ownership with no other pitcher around his pedigree? Or are we just locking him in and getting different elsewhere? Well, I don't think you have to have him. I mean, he, he's probably going to be needed in cash. You can pretty much lock him into that format. But as far as GPP, you know, like tonight or last night, I locked in McClanahan pretty much right off, right off the bat. 10-3 against Baltimore, like that was a done deal for me. With Burns, you know, I'm not considering so you can't play him. I mean, the XFIP's under three. The ERA is 220. The ground ball rate's up to 43%. His swing strike rate, it's only 0.3% lower than 2021. Like, it's kind of a little bit surprising that his strikeout rate has dropped 3% when the swing strike stuff is – I mean, basically just about the same, but I mean, you look at both sides of the plate, neither side's over 270, Woba, the, the whip's under 0.95. He's in play against anybody, but yeah, like you mentioned, Minnesota's top 10 in all of our offensive categories, and they only strike out about 22% of the time. Like, it's not the best spot on paper for him. Does it mean he can't drop 35 DK? No, absolutely not. Does it mean you have to have him in all your lineups? I don't think so. I, I think there's at least a couple other pitchers that you can build without. And if he's 50% in GPP and, you know, even just scores 16 to 18, even maybe even 20, you might be able to get away with that fade and not get hurt. Yeah. Talk about this game in Arizona, Logan Webb, Zach Gallon. Gallon comes off the all-star break, you know, impressive start, but it was against Washington, seven innings, two hits, no earned runs, 32.6 with seven Ks. Now he was really good to start the year. He's 8,100. And you got Logan Webb, who was also pitched, you know, I would say above average. And he's also in his last start against Arizona about two and a half weeks ago, had eight Ks as well. Has been pretty clean as far as his ERA goes, 2.63. K rate, not as high as you want, paying up for a guy 9,400. But this could be one of the softer matchups in Arizona. I don't see ownership coming to Gallon or Webb when you have two guys in between who have been, you know, either playing hotter in John Gray striking out everybody or Javier going against a weak Oakland offense. So before we talk about those two guys, let's talk about the San Fran Arizona matchup and what your expectations are there. 
I don't think either guy gets fully lit up. I, I like Gallon a little bit better uh, just because of the the salary he offers as far as savings go. Um, and he's better against lefties. And we know that the Giants, depending on what version of them shows up at the park, because, you know, they're, they're in a lot of trade rumors right now. Um, they're generally going to throw out a lot of lefty hitting. And you look at Gallon, you know, his K rate comes up to 24%. Uh, the XFIP goes down. The Woba goes down. The whip is only 0.84 against that left side. So I'm, I'm definitely probably more interested in that. My problem with Webb just becomes, where am I getting the upside at the price? Like, Arizona is a very boomer bust offense. Maybe they completely bust out. But this is a team that we used to target, like, at the start of the year with all their strikeouts. They brought their K rate down under 23%. They're not striking out at the same rate. And they haven't been for a little while. And they're ninth in ISO. They're 25th in WRC plus and 21st in Wobo, so that kind of speaks to their volatility as an offense as a whole. But I don't like I'll have if I was playing 20 max, I'd have a couple in lineups with Logan Webb. Three max or anything lower, I, I think he's out for me. Yeah. Now let's talk about the spot that most people will <clears throat> land on. It's John Gray. You know, versus Seattle, tough matchup, but this guy's going out there. And just Kang, everybody as of late, man. You know, he has double-digit strikeouts and a couple starts. Uh, if you date back to the end of ju- end of June, then he's eight, eight, seven, nine, five. So you have you have starts all around where this guy is going out there and doing things. Seattle's a tough matchup for him. They get Julio Rodriguez back. He had a rough start against him the first time around. Four earned runs, two home runs allowed in five innings. But he's been a different pitcher as of late. So I feel like he's going to be super popular. I can't get Javier right. I, I, I have a tough time getting any Houston pitcher right outside of Verlander. Like, okay, Verlander gets you 20 to 30. You lock him in, and you don't really think twice about it. But guys like Javier and the rest of the two through five starters of the Astros, like, I just can't get these guys right. But this is a very soft matchup against Oakland. You would think he smashes here. But, you know, outside of that run he made, you know, a couple weeks ago, you know, versus L.A. twice, versus Kansas City and then also against the Yankees. He didn't show that upside early in the year, and it came, you know, in that four-game stretch. And then it died down the last two games where, you know, he didn't look so good against the Yankees, but that's the Yankees. So talk about Javier and Gray because I think they're going to be super popular. Yeah, the thing with Javier, it's just tough to know if he's going to have his control or not. Because, like, you know, even looking, you know, you want him in a spot, and Oakland's perfect for him because it's going to suppress his fly ball tendencies. He's fly ball rates almost 60%, but he's already pitched there once. He threw 85 pitches across four innings with four walks and scored only 10 points. He was mega chalk that night. I remember that night because the yeah. guy just could not find the strike zone. You know, unfortunately, I can't sit here and predict if he's going to be able to do that. And, like, his metrics look really good. Like, he has a, a K rate over 30%. When he faces the right side, it jumps over 41% of the time. And the XFIP's under 295. Like, he should smash into the spot. He didn't have his control coming out of the break. And we, we've kind of seen that, you know, some pitchers in that first start are a little, you know, takes him a couple innings to settle down. I'm kind of hoping he has that kind of behind him. He's back in the routine of things. He can't ask for much of a better matchup for it. So, you know, Javier under 9K, I'm sure it's going to be very popular. John Gray, like, it, it's, it's one of those things, like, it's really tough to believe in. But at the same time, we're talking like a 50 across his last 50 innings. It's a 180 ERA and a 29.7% K rate. Like at some point, you kind of have to react the other way and be like, okay, well, maybe he's starting to figure something out and something's just looking for him this year. 
His slider, 63 strikeouts, a 40% whiff rate. Seattle's only 24th against that pitch. So it's, you know, it's not the easiest matchup. Julio Rodriguez certainly helps that lineup a whole hell of a lot. But they're not good at his main pitch. Like, I, I could see him still doing well with how, how incredibly well he's been pitching. Yeah, I would safe. Is it safe to assume that Christian Javier, if you underline his stats to Luis Castillo, you're probably looking at a very similar pitcher. You know, he has a K upside, high walk rate, and very inconsistent, where some days he just looks super electric, and then other days he can't last more than four innings, especially the Luis Castillo of old, where he's been a little bit more consistent this year, but early on in his career, it was like he was just trying to strike everybody out, and then he gets in trouble with walks. So that's why I worry about Javier, but it's a great matchup against Oakland. And in this mid-range, Look, I'm not approaching Carl Irvin versus Houston. Giolito in Colorado. No. I haven't played Giolito in a long time. I've and tried, I, and it yeah. doesn't always end well. And I'm sorry, in Colorado, it's probably not going to end well for him. It just yeah, you know, I can look. I can see him getting like there. It. I can see him getting there at 7,500. You get 12 to 15 points. Um, he strikes out five or guys, six guys maybe, and you hope he finds a way to get the win against Sensatella. Um, I can see a path he gets there. I think he's worth the dart. Like, I'd rather take the upside of Giolito versus a weaker Colorado lineup than a Cole Irvin or a Chris Archer or, or Marcus Gonzalez or Patrick Corbin. You know, these are all guys that I'd be scared of. The guy that you mentioned uh, prior to coming on the show, I know you're going to write him up as well in your article. So make sure you check out Adam's article, Jared's article, Dave's article, our projection models are optimized at windailysports.com. But Brad Keller, man, 6,100, the Angels suck. Like, I, I said this early in the year. A couple people tried to sell me on the fact that they're good. I am hearing rumors that Epler, the Mets GM, reached out to the Angels today to potentially talk Otani, which sounds amazing. But as a Met fan, I know it's probably just talk. But Epler is the reason why he used to be the GM of the Angels. He's one of the reasons why Otani went to L.A., so I kind of see, you know, potentially there's been some light. But what the Mets have been talking about, which really annoys me, is first they're coming out saying they're going to get Soto. Then that fizzled out. Then they said Josh Bell. That fizzled out. Then they said Wilson Contreras. That fizzled out. Now we're talking Trey Mancini, and we already got Vogelbach. Like, if we end up with Vogelbach and Mancini and every other team gets better, and, like, Soto gets dealt, Bell gets dealt, um, J.D. Martinez, some Red Sox get dealt, and we're just sitting with Vogelbach. I'm going to be very, very, very upset at the, as a Met fan. But if they get Otani, something ridiculous like that, imagine, imagine throwing out Scherzer, DeGrom, Otani, and it doesn't even matter who your four starter is. That would be quite the ridiculous, you know, kind of uh, starting rotation for the playoffs, man. So I'm hopeful there. But talk about your guy, Keller, man. Well, first off, you're not getting Soto in division. Like, I never bought that was going to happen. Like, you are not. You don't want to trade Soto in the first place. You want to trade him to the Dodgers? Or, like, how, how much better? You still have to beat the Dodgers, right? It doesn't, it doesn't matter. And every, not, team ne- no, every team next year, every team next year, I, I heard the rumor. I haven't seen the schedule. But, like, isn't every team next year playing each other? Like, we're, we're scrapping all these in-division games. So, like, the NL East playing the NL East is not going to be so much of a thing no more. You're still not giving the second coming of Ted Williams to a team that's in your division. It ain't gonna happen. Like the price, the, the price tag for for Soto is astronomical as it is. 
now add on the division tax, it just doesn't. <laughs> the only way Soto's coming in is if he's a free agent, which is still very awesome. possible. Um, but anyways, where do, you, where do you think he goes now? Where's your Where's your hunch? St. Louis, is Soto. There? Yeah. Honestly, man, I I still think the Yankees probably the best shot, especially if they know the Judge is gone. You know that that chunk of money that they were marking for him. Stanton went down today with the Achilles, like yeah. whatever. Nothing major, but like you know, if somebody goes down, I can see the Yankees pulling the trigger on there. But I think it's bad for them if they go out and get Soto because it sends shocks to the the clubhouse that you're not signing Judge potentially, and I think that would be more harmful than helpful because at this point in time, like this point of this season. I think Judge has definitely been a better, more consistent hitter than Soto throughout the entire season. So you don't want to get him off his game or lose any confidence with Soto coming to town. I don't know. I think Aaron Judge is already uh, halfway out the door, if judging by his answer at the All-Star break. But that that's probably another story. <laughs> that answer was hilarious. I don't think I've ever heard that before from a, a free agent-to-be. But regardless, I mean, when we're looking at Keller, like, there's not a ton to like in his profile. I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like, Man, this guy's really talented. He's just been really unlucky. He's not that good. He's an average pitcher. But you look at the past 30 days for the Angels, they're either 29th or 28th in WOBA, WRC+, OPS, on base, ISO. And they've been striking out right about 31% of the time to go along with the 10th highest ground ball rate in that time frame. Like, if, if Keller can't get it done here, maybe he just can't get it done. Like, he's just, you know, the pitcher that you're really never, ever going to play, but, you know, he'll pop up for those big starts. But, like you look, he just scored thirty points. Like he's capable of of putting up a good start, and especially at this salary, sixty one hundred. You don't need much. Just give me six innings, only let up like two runs. Give me like four or five Ks, and you're fine. Sixty one hundred is nothing. Yeah, the two times he faced Detroit, thirty one and twenty two. Two times he faced Oakland, twenty nine and seven. Let's call it ten against Houston. He went. He he has a possibility to go negative. And that's the problem. Um, if he ends up being chalky, I'd probably go mid-range and take a shot somewhere else. But if he goes, you know, sub-10% on, I love the play. 6,100. Look, if I'm a pitcher going against the Angels, I'm just really pitching around Otani and Trout as much right. as possible. Trout's not even and, there right now. Trout's yeah, the re- on the IL. Yeah, and then the rest of the lineup, it's like Taylor Ward fizzled out. And right. then there's nobody. There's Who's really nobody about? left. So... I'm with that Keller call. I hope he's not that popular. He's probably going to be popular. Let's flip the switch. You know, looking at our optimizer projection model, where are you seeing the correct stack laying? Is is it going to Colorado, going to Coors Field, and going with White Sox bats or potentially going with some, you know, Colorado bats? You've got, you know, Giolito's hittable. He's letting up home runs. Or, you know, are you going to Houston versus Irvin? Or are you going – with the Dodgers versus your guy, Patrick Corbin, who might be part of that, you know, that Soto trade. He had that one big start. Um, They're trying to unload that contract with Soto somewhere. So what are you thinking? Dodgers, Colorado, you know, there's a guy named Junk who's pitching. So there's always Kansas City that falls into the mix. What are you thinking? Yeah, Casey's all right. But, I mean, my main focus is definitely going to be in Colorado and the Dodgers. And when I say in Colorado, I mean both sides of the plate or both sides of the game here. Sensatel has been awful uh, against Rays, a 421 Woba, Abreu, Fawn, Anderson. Eloy Jimenez is two, two dongs in his last 10 games. 
we kind of know that, you know, the first game in course tends to go under and we tend to fade that a little bit more. Now you got the second game of the series. Sensel has been bad. Giolito has been bad this year. I mean, there's just no way around it anymore. And the problem for him, it's been the right side of the plate. And that's a lot of the Colorado lineup. I mean, he's given up a 421 Wobo himself to the right side. And you're talking about a 2.34 home run per nine. And you're going into Colorado. I mean, at home, Crone, CJ Crone has a 446 Woba. Uh, Rogers, Connor Joe, they're over 350. Chris Bryant's been just on an absolute tear this last little bit. I know he saw a foot specialist today, but he was in the lineup tonight. So I'm not really assuming, you know, he's, he's automatically out tomorrow. Maybe because it's a day game, maybe they sit him. But if he's in, like, I have no problem going right back to him. As long as he's in the lineup, the foot doesn't really concern me because they're playing him with it as it stands. Yeah, Giolito, 11 home runs allowed in the last 53 innings. Kind of crazy I mean, for a guy. He just can't was... keep the ball in the park this year, man. I don't know what the deal is. but. And then you go to Colorado, not the place to be going when you're giving up a bunch of home runs. Look, the Dodgers disappointed on Monday. They had what looked to be a dream matchup. I stacked yep. them. I had a couple of bets out there. But yep. does it get any better than Patrick Corbin coming to town? You know, do you think the Dodgers are going to be the top owned stack of the slate and the top projected slate, you know, stack? Or are you leaning towards Coors Field a bit? I'd probably still lean towards Coors, but I would bet like Trey Turner and Mookie Betts will be up there. Even if it's not like the full stack, the righties are going to be right with the Coors Field guys as far as most proper in the slate. And I mean, look, realistically, who am I to argue? Yeah, Corbin's been unlucky to an extent. You know, he hasn't been as bad as his ERA would show. Some of his advanced metrics, he's, you know, the BABIP, the XFIP, things like that lead, to, lead you to believe he's been better than almost a six ERA, but that doesn't mean he's been good. And the Dodgers can rip apart a good pitcher, let alone one that's still struggling. Yeah, and, you know, kudos to to DraftKings one more time. Let's give, give them a shout-out. They, they got Jimenez at 4,300. They got this outfield pretty much yep. all under 3K uh, or all under 4K. You got Pollock cheap. You got Gavin Sheets cheap. Yep. You know, depending on who starts out there, there's guys potentially in the 2,500 range. If Louis Garcia gets a start again, switch hitter, I don't see why you wouldn't get a start here, especially if Harrison is out. You got Mankata at 4,300. So it's like there's no real effort to get them in, you know, no, especially to go with the value guy of, of Keller or anybody in that mid-range, you can get them in probably with a, a mini Dodger stack as well because the Dodgers, they also – look, there's some pinch hit risk, you know, with guys like – Trey uh, Thompson. J yeah, Trey Thompson, Tr Jake Lamb. Yeah. Um, Gavin Lux is kind of safe in, in, in my eyes at 3,500. But, yeah, Trey Thompson would be a guy who's 2,300. And he's actually – like I was shitting on him. He's yeah, actually early. Hitting, hitting a little well over these past Yeah, he's, he's hitting a little well. <laughs> Clay Thompson is chugging beers at the game for his inspiration <laughs> and stuff like that. So, like, when he first came in, I'm like, this bum's just getting, you know, another shot because Clay has won a championship. And he's actually been hitting as of late. You know, in his yeah. last 10 games, 9 for 30, a home run. So, looks like he might be doing something here. and Maybe he can get some extra at-bats. So, you know, Trace Thompson, 2,300 to kind of round out you know, a potential mini stack for, you know, he's going to get the start here probably against Corbin. So I'm building a lineup right now where you can get, you know, Burns and Keller, you can get Turner, Betts, um, Thompson, and then go, 
Jimenez and Mancada, and then you still got like 3,700 left for your catcher, first it's, base, and second it's base. It's so it's, easy. It's so yeah. easy to get these guys. Yeah. It really is. You, th you throw Garcia in, you can probably get to Will Smith. Yeah, too easy. I can build a 4-3-1 stack with Burns and Keller, and then I've got to have a one-off at 3,700. And there are so many guys that I won't even mention the names here, but there's a lot of guys that you can slide in there at your first base position, which will definitely work, man. So that's that's the slate. That's the breakdown. Um, any bets, any K props that you're going to be looking at tomorrow? I know you put in our expert chat, you know, every single day of the week at windailysports.com. Hop in that expert chat. Make sure you like and subscribe to the channel. If you haven't checked out the golf show, Spencer, Sia, and Joel just killed it for an hour. They gave out rights. They had me better than him. I don't know if you watch the show, but they gave out – I don't know if this guy is going to win or whatever. I, don't, I never heard of this guy before, but they're betting him to finish in the top 40 at plus 400. So I sprinkled a couple of dollars on that. And then they got him to win the outright, which is – I bought some lottery. I, 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 bought some, I bought some Mega Millions tickets today, and I think my Mega Millions tickets probably have a better shot because uh, my wife told me that you got to go buy one. They're $850 million. So I'm like, yeah, okay, now's it. Now's the time to buy one. Yeah, it's not like fifty million wasn't worth it or a hundred. Like eight fifty, I gotta go out of the house and go to the store and buy one. But yeah, um, some some guy and his last name is N O H, so it's like no. But I went out there and I bet him top forty, and his outright was plus forty thousand. So I put twenty five bucks on it. So if I hit it, nice ten thousand dollar hit. So if that shit hits, I'll be having fun. So make sure you check that out. Like and subscribe to the channel. We'll be back tomorrow, breaking down the Thursday slate. Hop in our expert chat. Adam's in there. Early slate, late slate, giving cores to FanDuel, giving a core for DraftKings, for Cash, for Yahoo, answering all questions with myself and Jared and Nick and the rest of the team. So make sure you check it out. We'll be back tomorrow, though, breaking down the Thursday slate. And if you have any questions for the late slate, hit us up on Twitter at Windaily Sports. Or like I said, just hop in the expert chat. We'll answer all questions for the late slate. It's a boring five-game slate. Hopefully the Mets smash again. They're going against Herman. So that's what I'll be hoping for. I'll be watching that. So everybody have a good day and let's have a profitable Wednesday.